You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. He's Sam Hauser. I'm Joe O'Neill. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to ESPN Radio 1017. The team here till 7. Then we got the Bucks. Doc Rivers' debut as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks playing uh, up in Denver against the Nugs. Uh, so we are here till 7. Then we'll go to that. But now it's time for the uh, top five, Sam. And instead of like saying what's up, I'm going to ask you this, Sam. Take it away, Sam Hauser. It's time for the Hinkle Law Office's Top 5. Hinkle Law Office is representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit HinkleLawOffices.com. Take it away, Sam Hauser. All right, well, I'll tell you what's up and what's up as we start, of course, what we always do with who's in, who's out, top five. What's up is another number seven Mountain West Freshman of the Week for JT Toppin, his seventh of the season, tying Kenny Thomas's program record for the most Freshman of the Week awards in a single season, two away from the all-time Mountain West record, a guy who's still playing and we'll see on the pit floor on Wednesday night. Uh, Boise State's Tyson Dagenhart owns the Mountain West record with nine in his freshman season. This is number seven for JT Toppin. The number's not going to blow you away last night just with the standard he set for himself. Still a couple of blocks on the night, but he had 14 and 10 in the win at San Jose State. Jalen House getting Mountain West Player of the Week, so the Lobos sweeping this week. Yeah, I I had no idea Kenny had won it that many times. Kenny won I, it seven times, and Dagenhart won it nine times. Yeah, that's that's now what JT Toppin is chasing is Tyson Dagenhart nine. I, I guess I wasn't paying attention that year. Like, in I was paying attention to who the players of the week were and didn't really care about the freshmen because there wasn't any Lobos that were like vying for freshman player of the week very very, very yeah, many times exactly. as of the uh, last few years that's for sure so i mean yeah so he's going after Dagenhart's record i want to see him get a, a player of the uh week honor here sam that's another thing about last night's game here new mexico playing so well and jt toppin has been kind of the cog in this he ends the game with five total points didn't play bad uh and yet Lobos win by 34. I mean, come on now, Sammy. One of these days, I'm going to have to reach out and ask the Mountain West because you know what happens when you assume what your mom taught you when you were a kid, what happens when you assume, and I'm the poster child for that. My guess would be... You can't win them both. Or you can't win them both or freshmen are just limited to the freshman of the week no, award. No, because, no, because, no. Well, uh, otherwise, be. he probably would have won one already. Well, I, I don't know. It's, it, the, the thing is, you can like you know give two participation awards when you do it that way. Sure, sure. You know, get, if, he, if he's deserving of the player of the week and the freshman of the week... Give them both to him, Sam. What else is going on? I No, I, I hear you on that one, so we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, JT Toppin tying Kenny Thomas's record for the most weekly freshman awards in a season. Moving on over to Tucson, the Lobo men's golf team opening their spring season over there at 
This is actually what the tournament is called, the NIT. The Men's Golf NIT, the National Invitational Tournament. This is what it's called at the Omni Tucson, and it's the uh, spring opener for the Lobos men's golf team. They're out there right now. Bastian Amat sec in, uh, in second place in the tournament at 11 under par, just two shots behind the leader from Arizona State. You got uh, you got a, a handful of Lobos in there. You got another. Is Matthew Watkins Alvaro in there? Alvaro Portillo's at eight under. Matthew Watkins tied for eleventh at about six Heron? under. And Carson Heron tied for eighteenth at five under. But you go there's there's about a hundred golfers in the field. So no, the Lobos no that's are all good. Where, do, where does the Lobo team rank then? They got to be near the top of that tournament then, don't they? With all those guys in the top thirty. Yeah, so as a team, the Lobos actually do lead the tournament as a team. They have a two-shot lead over Arizona State as a team. Pretty good show so far. <laughs> and some pretty good teams in there. Give me, give me. do you have who's in yes. second, third, fourth, and fifth? Yep, so uh, you got the two, I, I guess technically the host school would be the University of Arizona there okay. in third. Lobos have a two-shot lead over Arizona State in second. The host Arizona Wildcats in third. Fresno State right there, BYU. Mizzou, Coach Milliken, Coach Milliken's Missouri, Missouri Tigers are out there in Tucson with those is a Lobo team tied Lobo. for fifth uh, as a team with BYU, Texas A and M, SMU, TCU. No, they so they're they, they. This is only round one. This is uh, it looks like we are uh, partial partially through round two. Okay, all right. Well, anyway, you cut it like. Got Wyoming and New Mexico State for some other local teams of note in there as well. Well, I mean, uh, this would be a great way to start the season. We'll just we'll just yeah. stop with that. And, and those names you mentioned, uh, like, are going to be names that we hear about all season long. They they've got some real cream at the top of that Lobo golf, uh, that Lobo men's golf team. Keep talking to me, Sam. All right, moving on with who is in as the Oakland A's get ready to wander the seas like some stateless pirates. Salt Lake City making a pitch to welcome them in. You had uh, Salt Lake City officials over the last week. You had Oakland A's officials meeting with city officials from Salt Lake City. You had people with the city putting up billboards all over town that read, Utah wants the A's. Now, the A's this coming season, I mean, you're thinking to yourself, spring training is going to be here pretty soon. You would be correct. The A's are still playing this year in the Oakland Coliseum, but this is it. And their new stadium in Vegas, not set to be ready until the start of the 2028 season. So there'll be three years where the A's will need a home and Salt Lake City making a push. So it, let me ask you this. is Are they making a push to be their home during the interim or are they... During the it, interim. Okay, because... They're so going to Vegas. The, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Yeah, they're, uh, they're going they're to going Vegas. They're going to Vegas. Yeah. So Salt Lake wants to be the place where Major League... You know, that... That's a heck of an idea if you're Salt Lake City. Why not? Uh, well, here, because you usually get that bump when a team comes into the market that lasts about three years. Okay? At that point, you know, things start tapering off a little bit, uh, you know, uh, and then they're shuffling off to Vegas. Sounds like a win-win to me, Sam. Yeah, there have been talks. I don't know if Major League Baseball would, would allow this just for the sake of the brand. I mean, however you cut it, it's not going to be great. Because they're not going to be playing in an MLB stadium. There have been talks of the possibility of the A's kind of doing a Savannah Bananas type deal and roaming around during those three years. 
But that, yeah, they already stink bad now, Sam. Where they actually play half their games theoretically at home. I mean, can you imagine? You know them like, hey, you know uh, they're playing in um, Henderson, Nevada this week, and then they'll be on to uh, San Bernardino with a trip to Yuma in the middle. That's right. In the 120 degrees in Yuma. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, if I if I was Salt Lake, I'd be making a hard play for that myself there, Sam. All right, uh, what else? All right, moving on to who is out. It's a what's out. The AP poll coming out this morning for men's college basketball, and this is the time of the year when we can care about it because the Lobos jumping up six spots in the AP poll. They, last week, they were number 25. AP poll comes out this morning. The Lobos number 19, so a top 20 team in the AP poll. It'll be a number 19 Next to the Lobo graphic on TV Wednesday night when Boise State comes into town. Utah State going up one spot to number 17 after their win over the weekend. Which we're going to get to right, to right now and we switch to number four. Go to number four. Cool. Two Mountain West basketball from the weekend. We'll get to Utah State here in a second. But got to start with the Lobo women getting it done. 15-point win at Air Force on Saturday afternoon. Lobos now with the second best record in the Mountain West at six and two. One game back of UNLV and Wyoming, both at seven and one, both with their lone losses in the season to New Mexico. It was hard. Uh, I mean, like it, it was. It was hard to imagine that they would find this kind of spark. But kind of the same thing as the men right now. Don't question it. Just enjoy it and see how far they can take this. Yeah, and the Air Force game was an example of just that. I mean, the Lobo women like played great for like 35 minutes of that game but the five minutes to start the third quarter was atrocious uh for the lobo women uh or maybe it was the last five minutes of the uh, last last five minutes of the third quarter turnovers layups for air force and here they have a nice comfortable double digit lead it gets down down to one uh but thankfully coach bradbury the the lobo women are able to regroup and Win that game. Win that game, sixty-six to fifty-one. Nice fifteen-point win. Nice fifteen-point win. Lobos come one rebound shy of three players having double doubles for the game. He got ten points, thirteen boards for Charlie Cole, twenty-four and ten for Nia Wilson, who is now third in the Mountain West in scoring in conference play at over eighteen points a game. Ten points, nine boards for Anaya Augman. You couple that. With the stomping at the pit last night, Lobo men, 89-55 over Nevada. So I'm sitting there because we've all learned our lesson. Get there early, get yourself situated, get to the pit, and just enjoy the atmosphere until game time tips off. So I'm thinking to myself, man, both these teams are on a win streak at the same time. I wonder, this this it doesn't seem like this has happened very often. So I get nerdy about this stuff and, and look it up just for curiosity's sake. You got to go back to 2005 to find the last time the Lobo men and women had mirroring four-game win streaks at the same time. In conference play. In conference play. 2005, both of them to end the regular season. Both went on to win the Mountain West Tournament that year. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think, who was that 2005-2006 season? Is that, that had to have been it. Obviously, Coach Flanagan... Uh, the coach for New Mexico. So it would have been 0405. 0405. I'm who who ended up? I I I'm just curious. Who was was that? Uh, coach Frischella 0405. Because uh, or uh, Rich. I'm I'm very curious now because Frischella never went to the NCAA tournament. Um, 
And McKay did one time, but I think that was like 06 or 07. Sam is Googling feverishly. That would have been Richie McKay's Lobos. Richie McKay's Lobos, that was the year they went to the NCAA tournament. Yep. That's when they beat Utah. Okay, so yeah, a good year for both the men and the women. The men won the conference tournament championship in Denver and went on to the tournament and ended up losing to Villanova uh, in that first game. All right, and... Coach Flanagan's team actually played. Uh, now I remember Coach Flanagan. The men played in um, Nashville, and the women played in. Uh, where's the University of T- uh, Tennessee? Knoxville. Knoxville. Yeah. yeah. And you know what, Sam? I went to both of those games. Good for you. I was at the men. They got knocked off. They went back home. My hotel was paid for for two more nights, and then Joe Barron. Blast from the past who did the Lobo women's games. He was in Knoxville. I got a lift down in Knoxville. Watched the Lobo women play in, uh, who was the legendary coach for Tennessee? Pat Summit. Pat Summit on Pat Summit Arena, whatever, Pat Summit Court. And they fell, I believe, to Notre Dame or Purdue. It seems like it was like a Notre Dame. Some Midwest team? Yeah, some Midwest team, I believe. But Lobos lose to Villanova and the Lobo women uh, didn't fare any better. Who was it, Sammy? God, I don't know how you do this. Who was it? It was Purdue. Purdue. Yeah, I knew it. The, I the colors. It was amazing. You know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right. Oh, it does. Yeah, okay. He, I mean, you never <laughs> cease right, to anyway. a mate. All right. So, All right. Go ahead. So anyway, okay, that was part of just an unbelievable day for the Mountain West on Saturday. Utah State steals one on the road at Boise State, ninety to eighty-four in overtime. In unexpected win to say the least with a little over a minute to go Boise State goes up three they make a bucket coach Danny Sprinkle not happy about it the cardinal sin among head coaches he gets a technical called against him with a minute to go in the game Boise State gets gets a couple more chances well they end up going back and forth Ian Martinez who went, went on that three point heater when Utah State was here he beats the buzzer with a layup Aggies go on to win in overtime. Utah State now in sole possession of first place in the Mountain West. Yeah, and another what a game. Gut what a wrenching, game. Uh, another uh, tough home loss for Boise State. They've had a couple of those. They have. Uh, and that game was the game that was on the Mountain, Net- that, Mountain yeah, West yeah. Network. That right? was the game that was on the Mountain West All Network. Right. Also on the Mountain West Network at the same time was the Border War in Laramie, which also went to overtime. One of the most historic comebacks, not just in Wyoming history, not just in Mountain West history, one of the most historic comebacks in college basketball history. Neat Clifford for Colorado State hits a bucket. They go up 11 with just over a minute to go. A minute to go, and CSU's up, up 11. By, up by 11. At Wyoming. At Wyoming. Uh, that, that ESPN win probability th- uh, graphic give, uh, is at 99.3%. Pretty high. Wyoming comes back and win. Uh, Sam Griffin, Mason Walters, they score 12 points at the end. Wyoming wins in overtime, erases an 11-point deficit in the final minute. Couple good games there, Sam. Couple it's really like good games. What we're looking forward to, uh, more to, more of that to come, I'm sure, Sam. And what then else? the grand finale of the night, UNLV down seven at the half in San Jose. They come back and win that one after the run and Rebs end the game, making their final 14 shots. Yeah, I. I I actually flipped that over uh, at the end. I think they made like six or seven threes in a row. But yeah, 14 shots in a row. To end the game, 14 of 14 from the floor. Now, 
For whatever reason, the NCAA record books don't keep track of consecutive made field goals by a team, for which would kind of a bummer. Only They only keep track for most consecutive field goals by an individual. But what I did find while trying to look this up is a record that the Lobo men's basketball team has from the mid-'80s. Lobos have the NCAA single-game record for field goal percentage with a minimum of 30 attempts. A game in 1985 against Oregon State. Lobo shot 81.4%. Don't ask me to give you any of the details on that that game, Sam. Don't look at me. What is number three, Sammy? Three. Three. All right, let's talk about somebody else we can all be envious of. A very rich 22-year-old born after the turn of the century. His birthday reads 2000 and something. And he's now worth more than 30 or worth nearly $30 million, I should say, before doing anything as a professional. Talking about Detroit Tigers minor league prospect Colt Keith signed a six-year, $28.5 million deal with the club. He's expected to make the opening day roster for Detroit. I would certainly imagine so now that they're paying him this money. It's not headed, it's not head-exploding money in the world of, you know, the Dodgers spent a billion dollars in two weeks. It's not like that kind of money. But he's never played a major league game, and he signed a deal worth $28.5 million. And what position does this guy play? He's an infielder, uh, mostly second base, but he's an infielder. Okay, and obviously he must be able to hit with some pop. I mean, yeah, they, the guy that was a fifth-round draft choice getting the, his bag pretty quick there. Fifth-round pick in the 2020 draft out of a high out of high school in Biloxi, Mississippi. He was the tw- he was the Gatorade Player of the Year as a junior. Had a COVID shortened season last year. Was the uh, Detroit Tigers Minor League Player of the Year. Yeah, fifth-round pick out of high school out of Biloxi, Mississippi. Now he's making $28.5 million, and on the tail end of that, there's three club options that could push it up to $82 million. Of course, if he reaches that point, they're going to rip it up and sign him to a new deal, but life-changing money for somebody who's gonna who hasn't played his first major league game yet and i've never what's his name again keith colt keith colt keith got two first names like ricky bobby actually that one you can remember great name by the way colt keith signs is the new bonus baby colt keith that's an infielder from mississippi (laughs) colt keith (laughs) number two sam well colt keith a great name so is glenn alton Doc Rivers, the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. He's going to make his Bucks debut tonight in quite a place and quite a situation to do it at Ball Arena against the Nuggets. We'll have that game 7 o'clock here on ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, of course, Doc Rivers hired as from being an ESPN analyst. He took over Jeff Van Gundy's job when ESPN fired Jeff Van Gundy. Doc Rivers took his spot with Mike Breen and Doris Burke, now going right back into coaching after... A dude who was 31 and 10 got fired. Now Doc Rivers comes in, and how about that? Making his coaching debut tonight, and we're going to get to hear it. Yeah, I'm not ready to do my Doc Rivers right now, Sam. It, it's got to come to me. It's it's got to come to me. Some things are just better like, left in the past. past. Like I I just don't. It'll come to me soon. But here, it, what about like the chaos that has caused ESPN and their broadcasting there, like. They get rid of Van Gundy yeah. and Mark Jackson, who, along with Breen, might have been the best TV NBA uh, 
crew, yeah, <laughs> broadcast crew uh, ever assembled. Uh, I think to save some money, and then they also actually part of the reason they got rid of Van Gundy, Sam. You're gonna love this, is because they were worried that Van Gundy was out looking for head coaching jobs. So they they dismiss Van Gundy, they dismiss uh, Mark oh, Jackson, yeah, right? On, and they add Doc Rivers and Doris Burke. Right now they're down to Breen and Doris Burke. Okay, nothing against Doris Burke. Well, the real winner, and that's got to be JJ Redick. Because, because they're, they're, they're going to want somebody to fill in that spot. Not a bad choice. I what mean, Tim, Tim Legler's been. He's, he's still working for. He's ES. still. He still. He's is. never gotten a I chance to I've do any. Heard, uh, no, I don't think I've ever heard him call a game. It'd be. It'd be interesting. Nobody remembers Tim Legler as a player at all. I. I, I kind of do because uh, I think he played with uh, the Houston Rockets or whatever. But he's made a heck of a career. As a commentator, oh, he's being fantastic. an ex-NBA guy that really nobody remembers all that well. He got kind of into the NBA coverage with ESPN. He stuck with it. Good for him. Good for Doc Rivers. He, uh, yeah, that, but not, not good for uh, the ESPN NBA broadcast crew, in my opinion. All right, what's number one, Sammy? Well, for the fourth time in the last five years, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are AFC champions and will play in the Super Bowl. On the way, Patrick Mahomes played in and won his first career road playoff game in Buffalo, then another in Baltimore. Now he's going to get a Super Bowl rematch with the Chiefs and the 49ers. One of the last big sporting events before the world shut down in early 2020 it was the Chiefs and the Niners. Kansas City comes back and wins that game. San Francisco, we were thinking Kyle Shanahan's finally going to get his. He he had the he had the twenty eight three Super Bowl that's on his ledger. He's up twenty to ten in the fourth quarter. He's finally going to erase all that until Kansas City outscores him twenty one nothing in the fourth quarter to give Mahomes his first Super Bowl. Now going for another one, but four years later, a Super Bowl rematch, and they'll do it at Allegiant Stadium this time in Las Vegas. So. Obviously, we're all going to go text Zach and ask him for Super Bowl tickets. Yeah. Uh, hey, because we didn't get to it, we got into a bunch of audio with the game between uh, the Chiefs and the Ravens. Okay, so everybody is coming down on Dan Campbell's decisions throughout the game, Sam. You're one of them, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, questioning them back and forth, okay? Nobody's sticking up for Dan Campbell except for one guy. So here's, just to give it a little bit of, equal balance here. Here's Dan Orlovsky on Dan Campbell's fourth down decision. Everyone gets wrapped up in like the analytics and everyone wants to blame analytics when these things happen. I honestly don't believe a lot of this is an analytics thing. I believe it's an identity thing for Dan Campbell. RC, I think your point of like, this is what he started to do when they weren't a good football team and in part of the reason why they became became a good good team. team. And also, the way the game was going, they were dominating the football game. It was fourth. They, they've gone for it on fourth and three or less 25 times a year. They've converted on 20 of them. Well, that's the one side. He's the one guy that is standing up for Dan Campbell. One thing for sure is Lions fans got a lot more out of this season than anybody would have expected them to have gotten out of this season. All right, good job on top five there, Sammy. 
That's tonight's Hinkle Law Offices Top 5. Hinkle Law Offices representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit com. We can't forget about the best part. I threw this in here just for you at the very end here about these about these teams. They're, by the way, nobody, nobody's staying on the strip. The NFL wants these players and all these teams away from the strip, understandably so. They're all staying out in Lake Las Vegas over in Henderson. But the media hotel... Okay. The Luxor. For all the all the hard work and all the great coverage the NFL media does all year, your reward at the end of the season is you get to stay at the Luxor. Well, th- what they did was the NFL like poked around to all the hotels on the strip and found out the one they could get the best rate at that would still be considered to be on the strip. And these people that come in that had never been to Vegas, oh my gosh, I've seen that pyramid on TV. Boy, are, are they going to be disappointed. Interesting that the Luxor is the home for the media. All right. Good job on uh, top five there, Sammy.